Aren't you glad to be surrounded by him tonight? Amen. Someone who said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. What a divine promise that is tonight. Amen. How we appreciate the Lord and his goodness to us. How he spoke to us so many times during the meetings. And we so appreciated that. Just seeing the Lord move in a great way as he um, orchestrated the service. Even before the meeting started, we ministered on things that were um, building up to it. And we saw then God use our brother David Mayor to minister to us on Sunday. And then all through the week, just one service after another service. And we uh, did want to express our appreciation to you and all the kindness that you showed. And I see a few remnants of those who were at the meeting still here. So God bless you. I'm going to be leaving tomorrow with uh, Sister Karen. We're going to go up and marry Brother Kirkman Jackson to his um, wife, Amanda. And uh, we'll, we'll be back Friday week, Lord willing. So God bless you. And we'll be in prayer for you as we're away. And you pray for us. Let's bow our heads together right now. Amen. Maybe you have a need tonight that you would just like to be remembered And we just want to just take it to the Lord right now as we go to him in prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you for your many blessings to us. And we believe, Lord, that's what we've been taught to believe, to do is believe. That when troubles and trials come along our way, we believe. We're here tonight as believers gathered in your name. And you made a promise that where two or more would gather, there I would be in the midst. And we love you, Father, and thank you that you're in our midst. You're our healer and deliverer and soul savior. God, you supply every need according to your riches and glory. And you're so rich. Lord, you, you have an abundance to give your children. And you said, ask of me abundantly that your joys might be full. And Father, there are hands that went up tonight that just said, Lord, I still need something from you. You've done so much for me. And Lord, like the psalmist says, we can't even tell it all of what you've done. But Father, tonight we just need a little more of you. Another touch. I just pray, Lord, that you'll minister to hearts and lives that you'll bring deliverance to your children wherever they are. Lord, a little, little sister from Germany wrote and asked us to remember her, little sister Lisa. Lord, that got a desperate need. You hear the desperate heart cry. And we just pray in the name of Jesus that the enemy that's had her bound, oh God, would be repulsed by the blood of Jesus and she could be set free tonight. Lord, your people everywhere around the world, those that are in need, we pray that you'll minister to them as they'll listen to this service. Will you minister to them? Those that maybe never, never hear this service or be a part, still we pray for that bride around the world, that you'll call her to attention to the word and make the word real to her. Bring healing and deliverance everywhere now in the name of Jesus. And as we'll go, Lord, and travel this week, We pray that you'll be with us in the wedding ahead, the services ahead that we'll minister while away. Lord, and those that will be remain behind, oh God, and here in the service, will you also, 
Lord, speak through the speaker and hear through the hearer. And as we worship you, Lord, may that we worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to be here tonight with you again. Amen. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. Amen. I want to especially welcome Brother Jeremy Erskine with us tonight. God bless you, Brother Jeremy, for being here. Amen. Missed a great meeting, but we can have a good one tonight, too. Amen. So God bless you. I know the family's happy to have you home for a few days. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath is the seventh day of the week. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. I want you to watch carefully how the Bible describes these things. And it's a spirit of infirmity. She had it 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whose Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath, Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that was done by him. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to be speaking tonight using those words that Jesus said, Woman, thou art loosed. And uh, so we'll, talk, we'll speak about that for the next little while today as we have been um, talking about a God that heals, a God that delivers, a God that saves. And, and in the meeting we saw demons were cast out and sick was healed and people were saved and families were reunited and, and uh, the Holy Ghost came and the angel of the Lord was present and Amen. And witnessed among us. And we just saw him move in every kind of way. And how we appreciate the Lord for that. Amen. Amen. But, um, you know, and of course we're looking forward to the day and to the hour, to the time. When we will see those that um, are bound, even as we have read, described here, loosed and healed. Um, there's many, uh, not only binding there, but in the mind, there's many uh, a person that has a, an affliction within the spirit realm that needs healing within their mind and, and may be made whole. And God is still God. He's in the business of doing that. I, I, I thought about, a, uh, you know, as uh, we had a sister here with a couple of um, children 
um, that she had to leave at home with her husband. And they're, they're really handful because that they have a, um, a disease there within their, their mind. What is it they call that? Autism that they, that they have. And I just thought, you know, we're living in an hour where even autism is going to give way to the name of Jesus Christ. Because there's nothing too hard for our God. Amen. So I thought of, I thought of a little sister that I met over in Florida. Well, I've known her from, for years, years back in the 70s. She was through here and her and her husband pastored over Mississippi and moved over into the Carolinas. And uh, she met me down in Florida now. Her husband's gone on to be with the Lord. And, but she said, Brother Tim, I was five years old and the doctor said I would, I would, uh, I would never be able to go to school. I, would, I didn't have the, um, the, the brain function to, to do anything. I was, I was severely, what they called back then, severely retarded. And, um, you know, and so the doctor sat him down and said, there's not a thing we can do to help you. We have no medicine. We have nothing to help you. But, um, you know, if I were you, I'd find a church somewhere that believed in prayer. And they said, well, we're Pentecostal people and we believe in prayer. And about that time, there was, um, uh, they heard of Brother Branham down at De Quincey, Louisiana. There's not even a tape on it. But nevertheless, he was down in De Quincey. You can hear Brother Branham telling about having been there down at Quincy, Louisiana. And, um, and yet, um, the, he, he had been down there and they took him to the meetings and, and God healed that little girl and now she's an, an elderly lady with a perfect mind, perfect sense. Amen. A pastor's wife. You know, God is still God. Amen. If he did it then, he does it now. And that's what we want to just keep focus on that whatever God was, that's what God is. And Brother Branham said this and be certain of God. He said, I believe God is infinite and we're finite. And when God's called on the scene to act, then that's the way God acts when he calls on the scene. He must forever act the same way if he's called under the same circumstances again. Like this, if God ever was called on the scene to save a sinner and the attitude that God taken towards that sinner, he'll have to have the same attitude toward the next sinner and every sinner that comes before him. If anyone has come sick and he healed them, he must take that same attitude forever. Because we being finite, we can make a mistake and say, oh, it was a mistake. Uh, but God's infinite and his words are perfect. And the way he acted first, if he don't act the next time and every time after he acted the way that he acted first, then he acted wrong in the first place. He was wrong to forgive the first sin if he won't forgive every sin. He was wrong when he healed the first person if he won't heal every person that comes to him. God just requires for you to come his provided way. And his way is Calvary through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, it isn't how much we sing or how well we can preach or how we can shout. It's coming God's provided way. If you had an artesian well on one heel blowing out water and on the other heel you had a crop was burning up. Now, you can stand on that hill where the crop is and holler, great well, spring up your water over here and water my crop so I can have food. And you could holler until you could holler no more and it would not. 
But if you just work according to the laws of gravitation, you can bring that water right over to your crop. And there's, he said, enough electricity in any room to light it up. But you can't holler, great electricity, I'm conscious you're here. Light up this room. No, you got to work according to the laws of electricity, and then it'll light up the room. And the same way it is, we are conscious that God is here, and God doesn't heal the people just by going to church or by making a confession. You know, he heals you upon your faith in his finished work. Amen. Now get that straight. This is the basis God heals you on. Amen. Is upon your faith in his finished work. That's the only basis he can heal you. And if you believe that, it's not the touch of the minister's hand. It's not the anointing of the oil. It's not the prayer that he prays so much as it is your faith to accept the finished work that Christ did for you. That's God's law. Then if you can believe that, then all things are possible to them that believe it. Aren't you glad it's a finished work then? It isn't how well the preacher can pray the prayer. It isn't, you know, whether he stutters or mutters or whatever or how, uh, how old the oil is or how fresh it is or what land it came from or whatever else that you apply. It isn't the church you go to. It's not the touch of the minister's hand. It's simply accepting the finished work that Christ did for you. Now, Brother Branham would express often his desire for the people to be taught. And his, uh, he would uh, reflect many times down to the years, especially after he had the tent vision and was told about the third pull of his ministry or the third phase of his ministry and, and where that he saw some kind of cathedral or tent or something like that. And, and, um, and he, he desired Jesus to spend time explaining how to be healed and how to hold on to your healing. And, and of course, we sometimes... We, we people, we, we sometimes profess to be preaching the third pull, but, you know, healing's hardly taught, less practice. So, you see, it's very important that we, we come along back to Brother Branham's real intentions for what this third pull was to do. Amen. And that was to bring deliverance to God's people. And so he would say again, he said, I'd like to have a big tent and move out somewhere two or three weeks at a time and prove to them, let the patient return back again, prove to them, show them the thing is gone. Because God, and I want you to get this phrase, God is no respect a person. Amen. If he'll heal one, he'll heal another. He'll save one, he'll save another. If he'll fill this one with the Holy Ghost, he'll fill that one with the Holy Ghost. Amen. As long as we come on the same conditions. Now, and that condition is our faith in the finished work of Calvary. That it's done. Amen. That it's done. That it's finished. Now, again, he'll heal that one man with a cancer. And will heal another man with a cancer if he comes with the same attitude on the same basis. Because would you take your children and sit down at the table and each one of them hungry and say, now you can have a glass of milk to keep you from dying, but you, John, you can't have it, but Joe can have it. You wouldn't do that. 
And you think, as, you think as much of John as you do of Joe, if you're the right parents. Well, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to his children? See, every one of us can be healed. Amen. Again, he would tell us in the kinsman redeemer. And then the, some of these things are very, very simple principles. He says, do you believe that Jesus Christ being the same yesterday, today, and forever, that that means that he actually is the same? And then so, all right, then how is he the same? He's the same in every principle. Is that right? He's the same God, the same healer, the same Savior. The, he has the same attitude. That's all the same. Is that right? The same. And then if he was the same and is the same, he'll do and act the same. Is that right? How many knows that to be the truth? Amen. So he said, let's just take this real close and steady. Be reverent and ask this question. Then if he is not dead and then his attitude towards you and towards the sick would be just the same today as it was yesterday, then how did he make his attitude yesterday? And he said this, I can if you believe. Amen. Is that right? If you believe. The man said, Lord, have mercy on us. Our, 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 um, my, my son is... Uh, grievously vexed with the devil and I brought him to your disciples and, and they were screaming and hollering and everything and he says I can if you believe if you believe I can you see it's all laid there on the faith of his finished work Amen. You've got to have that man of faith there now, even after the meetings is over and God did something for you and you say, well, I felt it. Well, maybe the feeling's gone now, but your faith has got to have an anchor on the word of God because there's going to be days you don't feel it. Amen. There's going to be services you don't feel it. But you put your faith in what God said that he did at Calvary when he finished it once and for all. Amen. But oh, notice, you know, how quick with that, uh, how unbelief catches on. And uh, with that father there, you know, he said, he said um, you know, if thou can. Let's just look Mark 9, 22 and just see how, how he dealt with this. And of course, you know, this was a bad situation. And he had, he had a lot of uh, his disciples who had, had been screaming, crying, hollering and everything else. And the devil wouldn't move. And here comes, here comes Jesus up. And, and he comes and he says, oftentimes I, it, it has cast him into the fire and to the waters to destroy him. But. If thou can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus answered him. He said, I can. Amen. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. You see, he can do it on the basis of your faith in the finished work. Jesus, uh, Jesus said that. Now, verse 24, straightway, the father of the cry, child cried out when said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. That ought to be our prayer here tonight. Lord, I believe. Amen. But help my unbelief. I want to really believe. I want to hold on to that promise of God. 
Now, so you see, some believe that God can, but that not that God will. And I want you to understand, God wants to deliver his people. Amen. He don't want you to go and right on living your life the way you've been living, you know, obsessed or possessed by some evil spirit that makes you smoke or drink or use drugs or commit adultery or view pornography or are sick in your body and weak and weary. God doesn't want that for you. He wants your soul to prosper. He wants your health to prosper. Amen. Now, uh, again, and, and his, his attitude must always be the same. His decisions are perfect to begin with. He has to alter nothing to his word. He is sovereign. He has not to change anything. He never does change. Amen. Now, you know, we moves change. Uh, figures move off the scene. Prophets come, prophets go. You know, messengers come, messengers go. But God does never go. His word never changes. He's always the same. Amen. Now, but I want you to know he will break the yoke of sickness. Amen. He'll break the yoke of sin. You don't have to be bent over by the weight that the devil puts upon you. You are not to be the devil's slave. Amen. And I just want to say, you don't even have to die sick. Amen. Now, I tell you, I've been laughed at about that statement, but I, I, I you know, because some say, well, don't some of us have to go by the way of the grave? Then, then how, can, how can we ever die? Psalms 104 said, Thou takest away their breath, they die and return to their dust. It's that simple. Amen. Some may go by the way of the grave, but he just take and take away their breath, they die, return to the dust. But I'll tell you what, the one, one step beyond this is a perfect healed body where no sickness can ever end. He heals all diseases, even for those who goes beyond the grave. Amen. Now, in El Shaddai, Brother Branham said, I, now I know that death has got to strike everyone. Death comes to us all. But sometimes, just because of unbelief, we give up and go to a premature grave. God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to trust him and believe him and say it so. And stay with it because God, like, you know, Lazarus died. He said that's true. He rose again and he lived a normal life for many, many years because of the resurrection Jesus gave him. And then, of course, he died again because he'll come forth in the resurrection. Jesus said he'd come forth in the resurrection. But he has to go to his rest like all human beings. But until that time comes, let's not be cheated out of life. For service for God. Because it's Satan's business to cheat you out of that. Yes, sir. But God is El Shaddai. Amen. The strong one. The breasted God. The nurse. The giver of strength to his sick children when his children get sick. And you say, well, I'm 90 years old. Well, so was Abraham. He was 90 and 9, but he was still just a little baby in the sight of God. And God said, lean on my breast and nurse Abraham. What is 99 years to an eternal God? Amen. I just want to say, what is your 70 years or 80 years or 90 years to an eternal God? You're just a baby to him. It's no harder to heal an old person than it is a young person. 
Healing isn't just for the youth. It's for all of us. Amen. But God can't heal you against your will. I guess you got that. He cannot heal you against your will. Now, he promised he'd do signs and wonders. God made this known to the people, and we ought to have a vision of that by now. Amen. What God's intention, God doing extreme things to get us to believe. Amen. And he says, if you get the vision of it and you believe it, tonight will be your night to be healed. Now, if you doubt it, there's no matter if Christ himself was standing here wearing my suit and my shoes, standing right here, you'd go away from here just as sick as you are now. He cannot save you against your own will, and he cannot heal you against your own will. You must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Amen. So he's here to heal tonight. Why would he heal some and leave others go? See, it's not God's will for any of you to go unhealed. It's not God's will for any of you to go unsaved. Amen. Now, you know, of course, healing is only the salvation on the physical realm. Amen. That, that, the same thing that happens in the spiritual realm of the soul is exactly the same thing just applied to the body. So is it God's will? Well, yeah. God's, God expressed the will of God. Jesus expressed the will of God while he was on the earth. He, he would express God's attitude toward the lost. Amen. He expressed God's attitude toward the sick. Now, we often wonder, you know, we get sick. We wonder, well, is it God's will to heal us of our sickness? And we often pray, if it be thy will. You know, but I want you to understand, God has already made it clear what his will is toward the sick. Right. Amen. Right. I mean, you got a whole Bible full of it. Right. Starting with, you know, starting all the way from Genesis, coming down to Revelation, telling you, I'm the Lord God that healeth all of thy diseases. Amen. There's 7,000 promises in the Bible, and every one of them is just as valid tonight as when they were written. Amen. Amen. In fact, they're a cumulative value. Amen. Because we got more than all of the others down to the ages as the Word of God was written from the Old to the New Testament. We got a complete Bible, don't we? Amen. Now, but you see, we, we want to... We, we want to be sure when we're asking God, is it, you know, for healing or salvation? We want to be sure of what the will of God is. Yes. Now, in Victory Day, Brother Branham said, we thank you because we know you'll hear prayer. And we come to thee most humbly and most sincerely, knowing that it would be wrong to ask you things that we're just imagining in our mind. We want to be earnest and dead sure that what we're asking, we must believe it and know that it is God's will to give it to us because we solved it out in our heart with all we know, Lord. So you, you see your approach to God, you've got to come knowing this is God's will to do this. If you want the Holy Ghost, you've got to come believing that it's for you. That it's God's will to give you the Holy Ghost. He wants to give it to you. Amen. That it is for you. 
Amen. Uh, the, the first approach to God is to believe that he is and that he rewards those that diligently seek him. Amen. Now, uh, again, um, you know, there's only one person in the Bible that asked if it was his will. And I want you to watch God's, uh, Jesus answer Matthew 8 and verse 2. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. If thou wilt. And I want you to watch. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him and said, I will be thou clean. So he immediately responds back what his will is. His will was to heal. His will is to deliver. Amen. Notice again in perseverance, Brother Branham said you got to first find the will of God. And you've got to find the will of God as you're coming to be prayed for. You've got to find the will of God, whether it's God's will to heal you or not. And the next thing you do, if you're coming to get salvation, you've got to find out whether it's God's will to save you or not. And the first thing you have to find out what God's will is. And then if you really receive the seed in your heart, then you can be persistent. There's nothing going to move you. No matter what wisdom man tries to say, it's not so, it's not this, it's not that. And the other, it doesn't move you one iota because you know what the will of God is. He's spoken in your heart, your faith sits there, and it holds right on, on no matter uh, if there's no more than a, like a grain of mustard seed, it'll bring you right out to the place, the will of God. Amen. Now, I want to ask you something. You know, do you think anybody would be saved if we preach salvation like some do healing? You know, m- maybe it isn't God's will to save you. Perhaps your sin is for God's glory. Mm-hmm. Boy, I felt a hundred devils run for the door right then. Perhaps God's using your sin to chastise you. Be patient in your sins until God wills to save you. The days of salvation is past. Now, there are a few unbelieving preachers who preach that. But but that ain't the message. That ain't the word of God. Amen. Some want to make even that mercy is over, but that ain't the message. That's not Brother Branham's teaching. That's some, that's some uh, uh, hypocrite preacher. Right. Right. Amen. Yeah. But anyway, you see, God wants to heal us now. So we've got to have the right approach to deliverance. Right. Amen. We've got to know it's God's will. Amen. This is what God wants for my life. Right. He don't want me crippled and bowed over and broken and ruined. God doesn't want me lost and floundering out in sin with habits in my life. God wants me delivered. And if he wants me delivered from sin, he also wants me delivered from sickness. Now, you know, Brother Branham had to fight this all the way through. He tells us in some of his early messages, he said, I believe in the healing of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ heals the sick. You believe that? He makes the sick well. He said, I was listening to a a program. 
Not to criticize anybody, but on the road this afternoon, I was listening to a doctor of divinity, a brilliant, one of the most brilliant speakers in America, speaking on suffering. And maybe I'm wrong. If I am, God forgive me. But how can a brilliant mind like that be so twisted up in the scripture after being a teacher for years and years in great schools and seminaries? And he said, sickness was of God. Now, I just read to you of this woman, this infirmity that the devil had bound her. Not God, the devil had. Amen. So this man said sickness was of God that we should welcome rheumatism and arthritis. If God gives it to us, just testify, spit dust in the devil's face and say, I can stand and bear it for God has put it upon us for his glory. I can't see that. And I don't believe that's intelligent. Amen. He said, that's not the gospel of my Lord Jesus Christ. And God is not the author of sickness. You can't pin that on my father. He come to heal us. The devil is the one who comes to, who makes us sick. Absolutely. You see, the Bible even tells you he came to destroy the works of the devil. In fact, the last commission given to the church is go cast him out. Heal the sick. Cast out devils. Use my name and all the authority of heaven and go do it. Is that right? He said, if that's so, then how about that lady with arthritis that we was just reading about that was bowed over that came to Jesus there at that day on the Sabbath day. And Jesus put his hands on her and healed her and he said it was on the Sabbath and found fault with him. And he said, which of you would have an animal that you want to loose him on the Sabbath to go get a drink? How much more this daughter of Abraham who has been bound by the devil these years, not by God, by the devil, oughtn't she be loosed on the Sabbath day? And I'd say that same man, the theologian that he's talking about right now, if he'd get sick, he'd go to a doctor. And the doctor would tell him, oh, you got appendicitis. And he'd he'd go and take off the hospital and have it cut out. Yeah, the appendix. Amen. Well, if the appendicitis is a blessing, then why go get it cut out? You're cutting the blessing away. Then if that's be true, medical science saying something about divine healing, what about that? If that isn't the truth, every hospital in the world, every doctor are antichrist and working against God. Amen. Why? It's a shame to have a doctor, shame to go to the hospital, shame to be healed. You should go ahead and die. Get these diseases and die real quick or sit and suffer with them or something. You see... I, I, I'm starting to agree with Brother Branham real quick. That ain't even intelligent. Amen. Somebody's elevator ain't going all the way up to the top. Amen. But a brilliant teacher, he said, how can he preach a message and just lay it right there and come right there and it's all Satan wants? He says, it's a lie. Now start right there. Realize it's a lie. All of these things that you're, you think, oh, it's for God's glory. It's not for God's glory. It's God's glory to heal you, to deliver you, to destroy the works of the devil, to save you. That's where God gets the glory. He don't get the glory in you being sick, but you coming well. 
Amen. But he said, but if this thought is true, he said that when Jesus came to earth with them diseases that he healed them, and he was working, then he was working against his heavenly father. And then he commissioned his disciples, sent them out to heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the leopard. Then he was working against the will of the father. And then the last words he said was lay hands on the sick and they shall recover contrary to the father's will. Then if by his stripes we are healed, then, uh, then the Father had nothing to do with the atonement. Man, because Jesus went and done something that, you know, to fix something that was bringing glory to God. You see how far all these things get out there? Amen. Yes, he says, I believe the word of God teaches healing for the body and the soul. Not only that, but God confirms the word with signs and wonders following I admit God permits Satan sometimes to chastise us. That's true. But when your chastisement is through, you come back to God, your Father, He'll heal you. Amen. Amen. Sometimes, sometimes, uh, you know, there's been incidents where the devil was turned loose on somebody. Amen. Because that they wouldn't repent. But when they come back to God, God heals them. Amen. Did you get that? Amen. Just because of your past doesn't mean the devil has any hold on you anymore. Amen. Because when you come back to him for restitution, he'll heal you. Because healing is the children's bread. So you don't have to carry that weight of that guilt. Well, I did this and I did that and I ain't worthy to be healed. It ain't had anything to do with your worthiness. It was because your lamb was worthy. And our faith is in the atonement of the lamb. Devil wants to buffalo you and tell you well and remind you of your past. Sometimes I think you need to stop and remind him of his past. He don't have a good past either. In fact, of the matter, he's got a worse past than you do. And more than that, he don't have a future, and you got a future. Hallelujah. But say that a man had rheumatism, arthritis, say, Lord, I'm just glad to have it. Glad to give you, you gave it to me, Lord. I embrace it. I love it. I glory in tribulation. He says, Paul's thorn in the flesh. That was no more disease than nothing else. It was, if it wasn't healing, he got well, and he said, the messenger of the devil buffeted me. Amen. What does the word buffet mean? Blow after blow. And he said, then he healed him, and he got well. He healed him again. He got sick, and he healed him. He got sick, blow after blow. Well, we all know that. Amen. And that's the way it's going to be because your healing in this life for your body is not going to be a divine health. Right? Amen. This this body is mortal. You get healed, you get sick again. Amen. You got healed in this meeting. Well, something else will come along. The devil's going to come blow after blow after blow after blow. But you stand there with the good shield of faith and the word of God and you resist the devil. And you tell him, God healed me then, he can heal me now. If he did that then, he'll do it again. Devil comes to you, you've been healed of cancer, all oh, it'll come back. You know, just tell the liar to go on. 
Amen. Because even if it comes back, God's still my healer. The same one take it away the first time, take it away the second time. Amen. So you see, again, again, he said, but anyhow, how brilliant people. See, they get scattered out. Some poor sufferer sitting out there, sitting, suffering, and thinking he's doing God's will. When the blessing is laying right in his hand to heal him. Amen. Now, and he, and, and he explains this. He says, the only way he said, I'm here to help you, but the only way I know is to help you get to get your faith is to get your faith the best I can by the word of God centered on the will of God for you. If you can only see that it's God's will to do these things for you, it's God's will to save you all, it's God's will to heal you all. Amen. Now, so we know it is God's will then to save the lost. We know it's God's will to heal the sick. And if we can just positionally place ourselves in his will, it's over. Amen. If the person seeking the Holy Ghost would just realize, it's God's will to give me the Holy Ghost. Amen. God ain't holding it back. God wants to give it to me. Amen. So I'm persevering until I take a hold of it. Amen. I'm believing what he said. That is for me. You know, again... Again, another man come to Brother Branham was speaking to him and said, I don't like to disagree with you, sir, because I like you, but you, you try to put divine healing and powers of the church in the church today when it's not. And I said, well, brother, that's according to what people think and the way they look at things. Perhaps we'll do this. I'll show you in the Bible where God gave the church power to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast the cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. I'll show you in the Bible where he gave that power. Now you show me in the Bible where he took it back from the church. It isn't there. He gave it and once given it, he cannot take it back. It's God. He's God. And he said, well, it's such a privilege for people who sit in wheelchairs and suffer to show God's goodness and so forth and suffering. And I said, then Christ defeated his very purpose when he healed the sick. If God takes pleasure in people being sick, for he healed the sick, whenever he come in contact with them, he healed the sick. Then if it's God's will for people to suffer, then if if he did, Christ defeated his own will when he come. Oh my, what kind of gospel would you have? You wouldn't run your office that way. I wouldn't mind. You wouldn't yours. How about God running his? God works at one purpose. That's to save and to be good and do everything he can. It's his pleasure to give blessings bountifully to his church. But we fail not because the power is not in the church. You've got the power, but you hadn't got the faith to move the power. And remember, that's what the message was sent to do, to turn our hearts back to believing again. Not just God, that God sent a prophet and he was, he was just going to restore some doctrines back to the church, but that he was going to make the word live again among us. Hallelujah. 
Remember those disciples there and, and when, when Jesus came to him, them, and, and they, had, they had shouted and cried and everything else and couldn't cast him out? You know, you know what had happened? You know, as they began to pray, somebody, somewhere they started disbelieving. They said, that don't work. When you, when you go to pray in, for, for a situation, you got to stand there with a the man of faith. When no matter what kind of thoughts the devil starts putting in your mind, and he will. Any time that I ever pray for anybody, the devil don't put thoughts in my mind against and, and, and war against me while I'm praying for the sick or for the lost even. Amen. Put every kind of thought in your mind as to why it shouldn't happen and why it won't happen and why we're only hoping it will. Oh yeah, the devil works me over too, but you stand there, believe in God's word, believe in what he said, counting everything else as nothing. Amen. Refusing to listen to that voice, but listen to one voice. I am the Lord God that heals all diseases. It's my will to save. It's my will to deliver. It's my will to give you the desires of your heart. For no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So, well, that's my problem, brother Dem. I can't walk uprightly. Listen, if you're a child of God born by the Holy Ghost, you're walking uprightly as through the blood of Jesus Christ. So how can you say you're not walking uprightly? Amen. When the blood has cleansed you from every sin. Amen. Anyway, he comes to this boy and, 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 and the disciples ask him, why couldn't we do it? How come we couldn't cast him out? Jesus never said, well, I took my power back. Jesus didn't say, oh, it was to only work one time. You know, but he said it was because of your unbelief. Amen. Not because of the lack of power, but the lack of faith to operate that power. Somewhere they began to disbelieve. And this is what you want to do. You know, you started believing for a deliverance right here. Listen, even if God gave a vision and you, uh, uh, of something that was to be and you disbelieved it, it's not going to come to pass. Amen. It's dependent on your faith in the finished work. Now, there are times that God says, I mean, it don't matter who disbelieves it. But there are other times it's dependent on your faith. To make it materialize. Amen. Then you want to put it back on the preacher. You know, well, he told me this, but you quit believing. Stay right there believing. Amen. Now, we return to the land of promise to walk in victory. Amen. This is the hour of adoption where that there is to be a mature church with a mature faith, a perfect faith. A people who know their God and who do exploits. Amen. And you know, this is the hour of adoption that we heard preached this week. And of course, when you receive that true baptism of the Holy Ghost, it places you in the body with full authority as a son of God. Amen. But Brother Branham said, you can count me a fanatic from that of this night on, but the very thing I'm speaking of now will be done. There will be a power put into the church 
And it's now coming in that the Holy Spirit will so anoint the people till they'll speak the word and it'll create itself right there. We haven't seen powers like what's coming into the church. I know it for a fact. Say to this mountain, be moved. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you said shall come to pass. You can have what you said. The placing of the church in position where the fullness of the power of the Holy Ghost it comes into the church. The critic's mouth will be shut. It'll be a short time. And Jesus will come right off the mountain, went right straight to Calvary, said once, it won't last long, but it'll be here. And I just want to say it's already working among us. We're already seeing it materializing. Hallelujah. But you know, Brother Brandon would tell us that the Holy Spirit has been bound by creeds and dogmas. Can you imagine? Here's a, here's a creed and dogma that, that God, God wants you to be sick and it's his will for you to be sick. And he puts sickness upon you so, you know, for, for a blessing. And all, all of them are creeds and dogmas. It's not Bible. It's reasonings of man. Are you with me? Amen. But, but let me tell you, it binds the Holy Ghost from acting. It keeps the Holy Ghost from having its work. Amen. God would, God would save every person. God would fill with the Holy Ghost. But you know, the very thing that starts happening is a demon starts coming right over you, whispering in your ear. Well, not tonight. Or another time. Or I got to go do this first. Or another day. Or it's not for you. It, you know, the message is for other people, but it ain't for you. All kinds of lies the devil tells you. You know, you've been told them. Amen. How many times has he told you you crossed the line? And that there's no more hope for you anymore. I've seen people sit in church for 20, 30 years and believe they couldn't make it in the rapture, you know. Uh, you know but they, they just come to church just to kind of be around other believers who could. Why, why do we want to believe that kind of stuff? And yet you couldn't go in a rapture until you quit, but dis, still you start disbelieving the devil's lie and start believing the rapture's for you. That God wants to save you. That he wants to deliver you. Amen. Why, Brother Branham would talk about, he said that this group and I'm not going to explain all this quote right here because there's some background to it, but just hang on to the main parts. He said, well, this group has got 2,000 bound down at the river Euphrates. That's Revelation 9 he's referring to. Been bound for almost 2,000 years. Also, the church has bound the Holy Ghost. What? The church has bound the Holy Ghost. For nearly 2,000 years under martyrdom back there. You know where they just killed off all the believers. Started wiping them off one by one. Until, until finally the Bible's taken away from the word of God is no longer in their hands. And, and true believers are squelched and pulled out. And then you bring up, bring, bring up Satan's church into Christianity. With every kind of false baptism and trinity of gods and all kinds of nonsense. Are you hearing me? And all these kind of things, just like this brilliant speaker saying, God's will for you to be sick. He's getting glory when you're sick. These are dogmas of men. 
I mean, they're ideas of men, and it bound the Holy Ghost from moving for 2,000 years. But he said, it's been bound, not at the river Euphrates, but at the door of creeds and dogmas. But that the Holy Spirit can't work in the church because of man-made systems. But she's going to be liberated. She's coming back. That's what the Bible said. And those two will meet each other on the, on the battlegrounds. Lucifer and Michael again like at the beginning. They've been bound for almost 2,000 years. Oh my. The Holy Spirit bound by the denominations all these 2,000 years. And I think of it. And there was a certain woman. Hallelujah. Who comes down to this, the seventh day. To the last church age. And there is a certain woman who had a spirit of infirmity. If that don't describe us all, that was our condition. We had a spirit of infirmity that kept us bowed over. Held down in traditions. Held down in men's ideas. Bowed down by Satan's lies. Amen. That would keep the Holy Ghost from working, working in our lives until we were so that we could in no wise lift ourselves up. Amen. But when, but when Jesus came and he saw this woman, he said, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Hallelujah. I want to tell you as a church of Jesus Christ, Woman, thou art loosed. You're loose from the lies of the past. You are loose from the creeds and dogmas of man. You are loose from the demon powers that have held back the Holy Ghost from working in the church. Woman, thou art loose. Hallelujah. You don't have to be bowed down anymore. You don't have to be crippled in your mind and in your spiritual walk. You can walk amen, upright and straight and healed for the glory of God because woman, you are loose by this evening time message. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, but some rulers of synagogues want to say, but you know, it can't happen on the seventh day. It can't happen in the last church age. And I want to just say like Jesus, thou hypocrite. Amen, you bunch of actors. What in the world do we want to act all this out? And we, we don't have a God that's on a mercy seat anymore and a God that will heal anymore. And there's no deliverance in the house of God and demons, there's no power to cast them out. So we've got to have some psychology somewhere. Let me tell you, Satan has bound the church way too long. Amen, but she is a daughter of Abraham. Oh, sons of Abraham. Amen. Abraham's sons and daughters of Zion. Amen. Hear the words of my father. Amen. Satan has bound the church long enough. It is the hour of our liberty. It is the hour of our freedom. Hallelujah. My. These, the Holy Spirit has been bound by these denominational rivers for almost 2,000 years. But it's to be loosed in the evening time. By the evening time message, the Holy Spirit back in the church again. Christ himself revealed in human flesh in the evening time. 
You see, traditions kept us bound. But we're in the day and hour where the full word has come into manifestation. Did you hear me? The full word. Amen. The full word has healing in it. Casting out devils in it. Yeah, all the mysteries. All of those things. It has a true baptism of the Holy Ghost. The real life of Christ. Not something you pump up or work up. Amen. You know, and, and I, you know we, we appreciate um, you know, God working in lives and hearts of the people. But I tell you, I want you to get that foundation. Because, again, Brother Branham would talk about the Pentecostals who would whoop it up and cry and shout and run the aisles. But they didn't have that foundation. They didn't have a life that went with it. Get the life first. Then you'll have something to shout about. You'll have something to run the aisles about because you can say, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. There, Jesus told us a principle. He told us a principle about changing dispensations. When you come to points just like we are right now, he would say of his day, no man putteth a piece of cloth unto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. And he said, neither do men put new wine in old bottles, else the bottle break and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Amen. Can't you see the point here? You know, the new wine only works in new bottles. You've got to be made new by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Otherwise, you know, the first thing that something happens along is that wine begins to expand. You know, it'll break loose. It'll break out of that old skin because it won't hold it. Amen. Well, you know, the first time that you, you hit up with a, another, well, I guess it didn't happen. Oh, I, I guess I, I didn't really get the victory. First thing you do, that, that old skin will crack and you'll lose all that new wine right out of that skin. But if you want to keep the new wine, you've got to have a new skin to put it in. Amen. To be made new by the Holy Ghost. I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit and I'll put my spirit in you. Amen. Now you remember that's what Ezekiel said in Ezekiel 36, 26. Amen. When God, when God makes something new, he does a good job of it. He don't just pat you up. Amen. He doesn't give you a facelift. Amen. He changes you from the inside out. Amen. He don't patch up the old condition. He don't just let you turn a new leaf. Amen. You've got to be made new. He never said he'd give a facelift to the old church. But he'd have a new thing, a brand new thing. And doing this, you cannot mix an old intellectual church with a new Pentecostal experience. So you've got to die to your past. You've got to die to the old skin and be born anew. Are you with me? Amen. Now, Brother Branham said the, the intellectual, the old lady, they gave her a facelift. She's still... This, but she's still the same old woman. You've seen some of them, ain't you? Amen. They gave her a facelift, but she's still the same old woman. The old man, they gave him a facelift, but he's just still the same old man. 
I'll turn a new page of New Year's and I'll start life new. I'll throw away my pipe, pick it up the next day. That's just you. You see, it isn't a facelift and it's a birth that the church needs. Amen. Now, you can't preach this in the old church. You won't stand it. Because Jesus said you cannot, could not put new wine in old bottles. If you do, they will perish. Now, I want you to know where we're driving this point is because here on the day of Pentecost, God would actually speak to a church who had, been, who had, who had also been bound down with traditions and law and ideas of man. Are you with me? But on the day of Pentecost, he would, he would loose that woman who had been bound with traditions and held down by men's ideas and the, and the Jewish concepts all of those years in order, but they had to become a new skin. They had to have a, become a new creation. Hallelujah. Now, you see, you see, their bottles were not like our bottles. Ours are made of glass. But I'll tell you what, even our glass ones have trouble containing new wine. My mother one time tried to make some wine for communion purpose. Uh, and, uh, you know, she, she, it, it was still working. And she put on a lid real tight. And it's sitting on the cabinet. One day, it exploded. There was wine all over the, all over the ceiling. It marked that ceiling for years. Because, because it, she, she didn't leave room for it to expand. Are you with me now? Amen. You got to make room for God. You got to leave room for him to expand. Amen. You got an experience this week. Well, don't be satisfied with just an experience. Amen. Let it expand. If it's really life, it's going to bubble up and bubble up. It's wine. It's working. It's alive. It's a living being on the inside of you. Are you with me? Amen. But you know, the wine skin, in, the, in that day, it wasn't glass bottle, but wine skins. They take an animal, sew it together, you know, but the wine skin, to put new wine in it, had to be new and young. Just been tanned and flexible. But when it got old, it got dry. Amen. A lot of message people has done got dry. Amen. They get old dry and shrunk up and real hard. Amen. You see, uh, they can't contain the new wine. Amen. The first thing you know, they see somebody shouting, getting a little bit religious, getting, getting excited. And, eh, that ain't in order. Well, I mean, sometimes people got to get out of order just to get saved. Amen. Like I said, what's wrong? What's wrong with them having a revival? Amen. You remember when they, when they, made, when they come against Jesus like that and he, he put them in their place, they got a shame. And I want you to say, shame on you. Amen. If you, if you don't like to see the movement of the Spirit, you don't like to see people rejoice. You don't like to see people have victory. You don't like to see an atmosphere where people can get the baptism of the Holy Ghost and faith can rise to be healed. I say shame on you. But I'm going to tell you, ain't no shame on me. 
Hallelujah. Because I'm open to the moving of the Spirit. I want to see God in His power. I want to see God in the pulpit. I want to see God in the pews. I want to see God moving all over. Hallelujah. Amen. So, you know, Bethany said to me today, my daughter, youngest daughter, Bethany, said, Dad, wonder what the critics are thinking. I said, I don't care. Let them think what they want to. But if they wrong, if they think wrong, I just say, shame on you. Say, well, that, it doesn't happen like that in our church. I just say, shame on you. Amen. Get down to a place where there can be an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. Get people prayed up and expecting and looking for God to move. Amen. All right. Now, so you see, but you got to put, you, you know, you can put water in an old bottle and it'll just, uh, it'll just, it'll just get stale and stagnant and it'll last there a long time maybe in an old bottle. But you put wine, you put new wine in an old bottle and wine's got life in it. New wine's still fermenting yet. It's still expanding. And it goes to pushing in the old bottle. And the, and the dry hide will burst and fly right open. And then the, the hide is ruined and the bottle is ruined and the wine gets spilled. I wonder if that's what's happened with the wine of Revelation today. It got put in old bottles. And it's already run out and spilled and fizzled out. And there ain't nothing refreshing from the presence of God. And there's no healing among us. And no deliverance and no salvation. Not even an altar call. Not even, not even an opportunity for people to get saved anymore. Does somebody hear me? Amen. I wonder, I wonder what, what we have done. You know, we, we put a, the new wine of this revelation of Malachi 4, of Luke 17, 30, of Revelation 10, 7. Are you with me? Of the seven seals coming open. And we took it and put it in old bottles. And it's already leaked out. It's already gone. But I'm going to tell you, church, what I got has never left me. What I got is still just as real. When I got it 50 years ago, he's still got the same yesterday, today, and forever. It'll still refresh me. It'll still empower me. It'll still make me drunk on the Holy Ghost. It'll still make me, hallelujah, rejoice in the Word of God. But a new bottle is a new tanned hide. And it still has animal oil in it. And it's flexible. And that's the way the church has got to be for a revival. You've got to become flexible. Not starchy. And you know with a, with, a, with a starch in your collar. Get it out. Amen. Come on. You're going to have to become flexible. And then when the new wine goes in the new bottle. And the wine then begins to swell out. Amen. It pushes out. It can do it because it's got oil in it. And if there ever was a time the church needed oil and it's today, the Holy Ghost oil and new wine. Hallelujah. Amen. But new wine goes to new bottles. Now, you know, it's just like trying to preach the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the real genuine power of the resurrection. It's trying to place that before the people 
When you do, what happens if you put it in? The new wine's got life. And the new wine is still fermenting. Oh, I hope you see it. The new life is fermenting. New wine is still fermenting. And if it's a new flexible bottle with all of the animals in the skin, when the new wine goes to pushing out, the skin will stretch. Otherwise, when the Bible said Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the new wine will say amen and stretch right out to it. Come on. If he says that his healing power is just as great today as it ever was, the old intellectual mind will blow up and say there's no such a thing. Them old bottles will, you know, they'll blow and get a big hole in them and, and whatever dreams and miracles are past, you know. Well, it can't happen anymore since Brother Branham is gone. We don't have them anymore. Oh, we're past that and we're going that, past that age. We got the word now. I tell you, just blow up. Amen. But when new wine is put in the new bottles and the light begins to work and, the, and, the, the, and, the, and it works in from the old outside theology that we used to study and see the word of God now in his divine promises and says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that new wineskin will shout out, Hallelujah. Amen. It'll go glory to God and spread out. What is it doing? It's making room. It's making room. Amen. For the word to be manifested. Hallelujah. When you go to rejoicing in the word, when you go to agreeing with that word, when you start saying amen to the word and believing that word, amen, reaching out and expanding. Amen. Things begin to happen. Hallelujah. You put new wine in an old bottle. Well, our school of denomination teaches different than that. Well, that's an old dry cowhide. Amen. Well, our pastors, our teachers say all these things are finished. But you see, if it's a new hide and it's got new life, it's flexible and it gives the, to the gives to the word and the spirit supports the word. And when they come into the new bottle, they say. Someone's healed of cancer last evening. Well, the old hide says, let me just see what the doctor says. And let's just let, let me see him a year from now. I just can't believe it. Now, that's what the old hide will say. But the new hide says, hallelujah to the lamb. And it spreads out. And then the wine and the bottle both are kept. But you can't put... You cannot put old or new wine in old bottles. Amen. You know, again, you know, because again, it'll explode. When you really get that new wine in, it's going to explode somewhere. And you've you got to be able to give to it. You've got to be able to expand out your faith to believe that, to receive it for yourself. Where it's working in your heart and in your life. Amen. And, and, and you know, the new wine says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then the, the new bottle says, Amen. I believe that with all my heart. Amen. He, he said he was wounded for our transgressions. And by his stripes we are healed. The new bottle spreads out right to that scripture. And both of them are kept and preserved. Are you with me now? Amen. But I'll tell you, when the, the, the new wine says the baptism of the Holy Ghost is the life of God working in you, the new skin will stretch out and say, Amen. 
Amen. I want all of that, everything that it has. Amen. When it says the Holy Ghost is sufficient for our healing today, the new wine will stretch right out to that. Amen. The new bottle will say amen and stretch out. Are you with me? Amen. But I'll tell you what the old bottle does. Days of miracles are past and gone. And it just runs out. They can't keep the new wine. They can't keep the stimulation of revelation. How many wants to keep the stimulation? Amen. Well, God doesn't anoint preachers and ministers to preach the gospel just to have it returned back to him void. Amen. The reason why you heard preaching like you did this past week, it wasn't for it to return to him void. Amen. He expects you to receive the word. Amen. Receive the word. Be ready. Take the old cowhide you've been living in and exchange it for a new sheepskin. Amen. And say anything the Bible says, let me say amen to it. Hallelujah. I'll tell you that day when God looked down upon the church and there was 120 in the upper room. He looked down and said to her, woman, thou art loosed. Hallelujah. God had 120 of them gathered in the upper room who had been oiled by his word and softened up and renewed. Had all the old orthodoxy out of them. The old system had 120 bottles laying in the upper room with their necks up and a funnel on top. Hallelujah. When the Holy Ghost began to raise, the bottles got so alive until they began to run outside preaching the gospel, bouncing from place to place. One jumps on the stump and says, this is that that the prophet Joel spoke of. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Are we living in the last days? I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and my sons and my daughters shall prophesy. My old men shall dream dreams and my young men and shall see visions. Hallelujah. What a revival they were having. Amen. That's God's order. Amen. After a while, brothers, they got, they, they got so loosed until a couple of bottles came whirling, bursting by, and there laid an afflicted man. And when this afflicted man took a hold of uh, the hold of one of them, he began leaping and praising God, running to the temple, shouting God. Amen. The church was loosed on the day of Pentecost. Amen. From all her infirmities of the ages past. But God's doing it again in this last day. And he's saying again to a church in this evening time, woman, thou art loosed. You're not to be bound down by tradition. There is to be healing. There is to be delivered. There is to be the Holy Ghost. It's, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to empty it out this time. I'm going to fill the people until I rapture them. Amen. They're going to dance right out of here in the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us. Amen. Oh, my, makes us believe. Amen. The church was loosed. Oh, I thought about a point that was made, and I've made it before, but of Rahab. Rahab there, she had been a harlot. She had lived a pretty rough life. You know what I mean? A harlot. This way she made her living. But, you know, she caught a vision. 
that there was a real God and she wanted to know that God. Is that right? Amen. Somehow or another, a pre- there was a predestinated seed. I don't know. Amen. The Canaanites, there wasn't very many of them that was predestinated. God would say, kill them all. Young ones, old ones, every one of them. But there was one. Her name was Rahab. She didn't look all that good. She hadn't been all that good a girl. Amen. But she received the message. And there they gave her a token. A scarlet, a scarlet cord to hang out the window and said, get all your family into here. We'll not be responsible for anybody outside of the token. But get them in here. And I'll tell you, when the walls come down, you're going to survive. There's going to be one part of it that will not fall down. That'll be your house. Your house will remain standing. Hallelujah. Because the avenging angel is going forth. Because the iniquity of the Amorites are now full. And God is pouring out judgment on the Canaanites for all their sins. Are you with me? Amen. And here Rahab was saved and all her family. Hallelujah. Amen. But now some, some years passed, days passed. Here she is, a young woman. And there a young general by the name of Salmon catches, she catches his eye. He catches her eye. Whatever is love. Amen. Now listen. This marriage. Think of this. This marriage. Though unworthy as she is. Is going to elevate her. Into a state where she will become one of the mothers mentioned of Jesus Christ. A woman that was a low, low harlot. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. That, 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 that the law would say stone. But now through marriage to Salmon, she would actually come into the lineage of Jesus Christ. Somebody help me preach. She would be mentioned in the new covenant. Is that right? As a woman of faith. Glory to God. How did that happen? To the marriage to Simone. And I'm telling you, your marriage to Christ, no matter what your past has been, hallelujah, elevates you into a position with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm going to get to something here in a minute. Amen. This woman now married Simone. And they stand up there on that day. And I've preached this before, so I'll do it again. But hey, you know, they stand up there before. Who? Who is it? Who is it? Who is it among you has got anything to say, any just cause why this woman can't be married to this man? Everybody looks around. Everybody knows she's been a harlot. But where's her accusers? They're dead. There ain't a one of them alive. And there's nobody that can give witness against her. Can I get it out to you tonight? Your accusers are dead. And 
we can say like they can say to Rahab, woman, thou art loosed. You're loosed from your past. You're loosed from your past. You are loosed. You have been crippled. You have been bowed over by it. You have been humbled by it. You have been despised by it. But now, woman, you are loosed. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I'm talking to a church who is married to Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have been elevated to a position. And I say to you tonight, woman, you are loosed. You are loose from your past. You are loose from tradition. You are loose from the lies of the devil. You can be healed, delivered, saved, set free tonight. Where are your accusers? They're everyone dead. Woman, you are loose. You don't have to live with your complexes. You don't have to live with your past. Hallelujah. As the musicians come, I want you to think of this. I want you to think of this sister. There was a woman that came to him. They brought her, drug her in the streets. So this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. She's caught in the very act of adultery. There's witnesses. We've done it. We've seen it. And the law of Moses says to stone her. Now here Jesus is faced with his own law. And the law says she's guilty. And there's witnesses. And Jesus takes a look. And he just kneels down. And starts writing in the sand. Starts writing in the sand. One by one. As they're holding their stones. He says the one without sin. Let him cast the first stone. I can just imagine. As he's kneeling down there. Writing. One comes looks over. And he says adultery also. Another says, you're a thief. Another comes look at him. One by one, they drop their stones. And they walk away. And finally, they're left with the only perfect one. The only one who could condemn her. Are you with me? And what he says, woman, where is your accusers? And she said, sir, I have, I have none. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Are you with me now? He was saying in effect, woman, you are loosed. Your past is gone. You got a clear future. And I'm trying to tell you, no matter what your past has been, or how sick you were, or how sick disease you were, that's the past. Walk away from your past, because woman, you are loosed. You are loosed to serve the living God. God don't want you bearing that, that sin, that unbelief. He wants you to be a free son or daughter of God. He wants you to have victory in Jesus. 
He don't want that monkey on your back anymore. He wants you to be delivered. You are free tonight. You're free from your barrenness. You can be free from your pride. You can be free from your past. You can be free from every sin. Dear God, tonight let people see their freedom that they have in you. I pray if there's a sinner in this building, if there's somebody that don't know you, may they drop the shackles. May they run to the altar and say, Lord, make something new out of my life where I can contain this new wine. I don't want to remain in the old sinful condition I was and try to pour a little Holy Ghost on it. Because it'll bust up right down the road. But I want something real in my life. I want it. I pray, Lord, you'll deal with every heart. Speak to every soul. Jesus. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the life. Thank you that you're the way. May every person walk in freedom tonight. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. Just worship him a moment now. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Lord, I've been in your presence. If I couldn't wiggle my finger, I'm going to start wiggling it. If I couldn't move, I'm going to start moving. I'm going to start walking in my deliverance. Sister Elizabeth pushed her wheelchair up on the platform the other night. She said, I put the devil in this wheelchair. He can have it. I'll tell you, my advice is don't take it back. Amen. Never take it back. I ain't going to let it leak out. I'm going to be a new skin with faith to believe the word of promise. Sing it again, Savior, Savior, Savior.
I want you to bow your heads for a moment. I want you to play really softly right now. Because I want every person to hear my words. You see, it isn't enough just to say that God can do it. But believe that God will do it. It's his will. It's not his will for you to live with a complex. So, well, I tell you, Brother Tim, I... I, I, I just get nervous around crowds and with people. And, you know, it's time for you to start doing different. For you to start operating opposite. Say, well, I, I've had this condition a long time. It's start for you to start believing right now. Today is the day. This is the last day. He's going to hold me bound. Say, well, I've... I've cleaned up a little bit, Brother Tim, and I'm not not really much in that porn anymore, some of those evil things anymore. Listen, it's time for you to come all the way, for you to really come clean with God, for you to become a new man. So when I felt the Holy Spirit, and I've lost it, and it leaks out, and I lose that, and I fall right back into the old rut. It's because you ain't become a new skin. He wants to take you, make a new creation out of you. Where you can hold the Holy Spirit. And you just expand right out to the promises of God's word. You won't be up and down and in and out anymore. Won't be just bounce, bounce, bounce. You're right back in the same old rut. Would you say, Lord, tonight, tonight, make me new. This old skin that I've had of unbelief, that I go to doubt in the word of promise, I want to shed that thing tonight, and I want to become new in Jesus Christ. So I've made every kind of excuses of why that I can't. I want you to start now believing I can. I can. I can. Amen. I don't go home just incomplete, but I know that I can. I can rise up above this. It's the power of God dwelling in me. I can rise. Maybe there's tonight someone in this building, you know you're a sinner. You know you're away from God. You know you've not been right. You know unbelief. You're, you're like that certain woman. You're like that woman bent over. Decrepit. Bowed by some sin of unbelief. And oh yeah, you can claim this and that. Well, this happened to me and there. Listen, Jesus is here to heal you of all of it. Your past, whatever happened, whenever it happened. Oh, Brother Tim, terrible things has happened to me. It doesn't really matter. God has saved sinners worse than you. And he's healed worse conditions than you are. Why don't you start trusting him tonight? Would you put up a hand toward God and say, Jesus, that's me.
have mercy on me tonight. I want to get rid of this complex once and for all. I want to be able to hold on to the promises of God for my life. I want to be changed in your presence. Jesus, you've seen every hand that was lifted to you. It is your will to deliver them. I have preached to them your word tonight that you want them to be free. I pray tonight they will embrace that liberty as sons of liberty tonight and begin to fight for that and say, I'm going to hold on to that. From this day on, I'm holding on to it. I'm not going to give in to sin, to unbelief anymore. I'm going to continue until I'm so oiled by the Holy Spirit that I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus and that I can hold this new wine and expand out to every promise. May I be, may I be like that woman that was loosed. May this church realize they are loosed. May the bride people around the world realize they are loosed to serve the living God. We give this to you now in the name of Jesus. And I just say, Satan, you take your hands off of God's property now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, Bye.